Hey there, welcome to a new episode of the Liberators Network podcast. I'm Christian Verwijs, and in this episode, we're going to talk about why liberating structures are instruments for self-organization. And we also offer five tips to encourage self-organization in your team and in your organization. But before jumping into the meat of this episode, let me take a moment to thank a new patron that decided to join since our most recent episode. In this case, our friends from Sirius Scrum. It's pretty cool that we can work together on this. Sirius Scrum also posts a lot of very useful content for Scrum Masters and Scrum teams all over the world. And we're proud to know that they support our work just as we really appreciate and like the work that they do. If you'd like to become a patron as well, if you want to support our work, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can see how you can do that. Let's start with the episode. Self-managing teams and self-organization are all the rage. Organizations aim to become teal or shift traditional structures to entirely self-steering, self-managing teams. When done for the right reasons, these shifts are something we encourage. It seems like a good way to appreciate the autonomy and intelligence that we all have. But one pattern we've observed is that this shift is often so abrupt that it leaves teams gasping for air with a degree of autonomy they're not used to. And in this state of disorganization, socially detrimental things can happen as louder voices start dominating the more silent ones, power struggles emerge and groupthink happens. Herein lies the wicked question or the wicked challenge that is really at the heart of liberating structures. How can you liberate individual perspectives, views and opinions while also structuring how groups interact at the same time? In this episode of our podcast, we explore this question from the perspective of self-organization. But what is self-organization? In order to have a good conversation about self-organization, we need to be clear on what we mean by it. For a topic that is so popular, people often struggle to define what it actually means. Scholars define self-organization as the process by which spontaneous order arises from something that is initially disorganized. This order is spontaneous and the result of self-organization only when it emerges from the interactions of the smallest units of the system and is not imposed by outside forces. Self-organization happens all around us and on many different levels. It happens when birds flock into swarms that dance and wave across the sky in beautiful formations. It happens when ants work together to build massive colonies without a clear intelligence guiding them. And it happens when people effortlessly avoid walking into each other when large crowds intersect in a walkway. In this episode we focus on self-organization as it happens in groups and organizations. One example of self-organization. Imagine that you have a group of 50 workers. Without any instructions or any guidance on what to do, they will be initially disorganized. A manager can create order by giving workers instructions or provide them with blueprints for the tasks they have to perform. But since this order is imposed, it isn't self-organization. Alternatively, the workers can come to a shared understanding and work together without external instructions save perhaps for a goal that needs to be achieved. The key difference here is the degree of autonomy that workers have to create the rules by which that work is done. In this case, we call this the order. 
or alternatively put, how isolated workers are from outside influences that try to impose order on them. Self-organization is a continuum rather than a binary thing. As outside influences decrease, the ability of a group to self-organize increases. So despite popular belief, self-organization doesn't mean no rules at all. In fact, self-organization is all about creating those rules. But instead of having them imposed, groups discover or decide to use them on their own. And this is where liberating structures come in. Liberating structures. When I think about the repertoire of 33 liberating structures that are curated by Henry Lipmanovich and Keith McCandless, I think of them mostly as simple rules to encourage self-organization. Each structure is one way for groups to create order in what they are doing. For example, the liberating structure min-specs is helpful to create rules or work agreements. The liberating structure one two for all is there to quickly gather ideas, perspectives and options from everyone in the group. The liberating structure eco-cycle planning helps groups focus on what is important to them and creatively destroy what isn't. By combining different liberating structures into strings, where each flows naturally into the next, groups can explore challenges, conflicts and opportunities together. For example, at the start of a new team, you can start with a liberating structure called Nine Wise to help clarify the purpose of their work together. You can then proceed with a liberating structure called Min Specs to create work agreements on how to achieve that purpose. You can use eco-cycle planning to then plot a group's current activities and use one two for all to identify what to let go of and what to put more energy into. Another example is that you can develop strategies together by first identifying the challenges that team face with a liberating structure, structure called wicked questions. Pick the wicked question that is the most critical and uncertain and plot it as the axes for the liberating structure called critical uncertainties. You can then work together to develop strategies to remain effective in four potential future scenarios and use 15% solutions to translate the most robust ones into the first steps. And another example is that you can make sense of shared failure by starting with a liberating structure called Conversation Cafe. You can then do a structure called Tris to see what you can do to make it worse. You can follow up with a structure called What I Need From You to help groups and people make clear requests for help and accept or reject them from others. A casual glance at the steps of the various liberating structures might lead to the conclusion that it isn't all that different from other techniques like game storming and Lego serious play. And although these are all very useful in their own right, there is significantly more depth in how liberating structures foster self-organization all the time. The core of liberating structures is that once you understand its language, you can start reframing every interaction from their perspective. Not for the sake of using liberating structures, but for the sake of continuously creating an environment where every voice can be heard, seen and respected. Where we initially understood them as a tool mostly for some situations, we soon discovered that their richness and flexibility allows them to be used in any situation. This was a seismic shift in our understanding of our work with groups and led us to rethink all our group-based interactions in terms of liberating structures. Not in a dogmatic way, but in a way where we riff and configure the micro-organizing elements of the structures 
to find the best way to build on the principles of liberating structures. But what exactly are those principles? There are 10 of them and I will mention them in order. Include and unleash everyone. Practice deep respect for people and local solutions. Build trust as you go. Learn by failing forward. Practice self-discovery within a group. Amplify freedom and responsibility. Emphasize possibilities, believe before you see. Invite creative destruction to enable innovation. Engage in seriously playful curiosity. And finally, never start without a clear purpose. Taken together, these 10 principles promote self-organization by putting groups in control over how to achieve their purpose, while also fostering relational trust and coordination. I guess you had to be there. Only listening to an episode like this won't tell you the experience of a solid string of liberating structures. So if you have the option, and especially if you're still skeptical or on the fence about how useful they are, try to visit an immersion workshop near you. The best immersion workshops are hosted by practitioners from local liberating structures user groups and people that are active in the global community. These intense two-day experiences give you a very visceral experience of just how liberating structures encourage self-organization. As one participant recently put, quote, I discovered that liberating structures are more of a social movement than a method, end quote. So if you have the option to join one of these workshops, definitely do so. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can find a workshop near you. Skills for users, not facilitators. The perspective of self-organization also helps us better understand why the frame of liberating structures as tools for facilitators is incomplete. When liberating structures are only used when an external facilitator is brought in, the ability of a group to self-organize never truly materializes. Although a lot of valuable ideas can still emerge by having an external facilitator, the rules of liberating structures themselves are still imposed. Hopefully as gently and subtly as possible, but imposed nonetheless. So what are five tips to make self-organization happen with liberating structures? We found the following to be helpful. First, even when you're an external facilitator, always facilitate together with people from the group you're working with. Work with them to create the string of liberating structures and distribute facilitation. Help them become better by giving them feedback, both positive and constructive. The second tip is to use a liberating structure called design storyboards to quickly design a string together at the start of a gathering. When people have little experience, you can help them think about the purpose of the gathering, the steps to take and which structures would fit. The third tip is that when groups meet, you can ask, how can we best structure this interaction to allow everyone to be fully engaged and involved? Which liberating structures make sense? You can also simply start with a one-two-for-all based on a core topic and then decide what next steps make sense. The fourth tip is that instead of starting by explaining the steps of each structure, Begin by explaining the purpose and how it connects to what happened before. 
This makes the experience of a string much smoother and more natural for the group. And finally, set the expectation that learning how to use the language of liberating structures is learning how to play music. It takes practice. You may hit some wrong notes, people will feel a bit uncomfortable or maybe scared to try something new. But as you become more fluent and the simplicity of liberating structures really helps there, it becomes second nature. Let's move to some closing words. In a very real sense, liberating structures are instruments for self-organization to take place in groups and across organizations. If you haven't already done so, we encourage you to give them a try. And if you try them and you recognize some of what we talked about in this episode, please let us know in the comments. We're always eager to learn from you. If you're interested in learning the language of liberating structures, you can join a two-day immersion workshop. There are immersion workshops happening all over the world, organized by different parties, different groups. We also have an immersion workshop scheduled for November. The link is in the show notes. If you're aiming to join, book early. They're exceptionally popular and due to Corona, we can't have as many people as we normally have. You can also join the Dutch Liberating Structures user group to learn more about Liberating Structures there. The user group organizes frequent virtual and in-person meetups to try Liberating Structures in a safe environment. Having said all that, I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something new about Liberating Structures and how they encourage self-organization. And of course, I hope to see you again for the next episode. Take care, stay safe and see you next time.